Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rust Report on Bet Fifteen Twenty. We are very Thank honored you. to have an author with us, and the book is called "Wearing the Letter P." Our guest is the author Sophie Hodorowicz Nab, and this book is available at the Polish American Journal Bookstore, Polish Art Center, and on Amazon. Um, and if you have interest regarding um, or also there's a blog on history and culture of Poland at s-o-p-h-i-e-k-n-a-b dot com sophie nab dot com here's a little information about sophie and I was thrilled to watch her on the zoom when she was speaking at the Birchfield Penny Center at the recommendation of Bonnie Gordon Flickinger uh, Sophie Hodorowicz Nab was born in a displaced persons camp in Hanover, Germany after World War II and immigrated to the United States with her parents and siblings in 54. She grew up in a Polish-American community, learning how to speak English and becoming American in all ways, but her Polish parents also instilled within her all the traditions and customs of their native land of Poland. Our guest, Sophie Hodorowicz Nab. The book is Wearing the Letter P. Uh, let's first uh, uh, talk about how you came to write um, Wearing the Letter P Polish Women as Forced Laborers. Sophie? Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to be able to uh, talk about this topic. You know, um, you mentioned that uh, we immigrated to this country in uh, 1954. Um, what happened, it, it begins with the occupation of Poland, really, and uh, my mom and dad living in Poland uh, during the occupation. Um, they didn't know each other, you know, when the war broke out. They met in the camps uh, later on. But, you know, what happened was that Hitler unleashed a fury on Poland that um, reverberates still to this very day, 80-some years later. And um, what happened was um, he established, uh, Hitler established all these concentration camps in uh, Poland. He also began a massive um, recruitment, tried to volunteer people, but very few people wanted to go to Germany during the occupation. Um, but then he started forcing people 
to uh, go to Germany to work, to take up the work that the men from the German military left behind when they started the war. And it was a forced um, recruitment. If people did not show up, um, families were uh, gathered up, sent to concentration camps. It was really, um, you know, pressing people into labor, slave labor. Um, my mom and dad were both taken at different times from different countries uh, to uh, from from Poland to to Germany, and had these um, really brutal experiences there. And um, I was born in Germany, you know, after the war ended. Uh, then my parents went to France to work because Europe was. Um, in chaos, it was destroyed, trying to rebuild. And eventually we came back or we came to, uh, to America. And here's the thing. So I'm growing up um, and my mother is talking about this experience that she had, you know, during the war. And I'm a kid listening and okay, um, my dad never spoke about it never spoke about it but my mom every time we were working in the garden or making pierogi together uh in the kitchen she she'd start reminiscing and you know as i got older i was trying to understand what happened i, I was trying to put it in the context of world war ii but i wasn't able to find any information about it now, my aunt, my mother's sister, um, had been um, an inmate in Auschwitz, a death march to Bergen-Belsen uh, at the end of the war when Germany was trying to hide all of its atrocities. Um, and there was a lot to read about the concentration camps, and I could understand what had happened to my aunt, but I didn't understand what happened to my mother. So, in you know... Back in the 80s, I started writing things down about what my mother told me. I mean, she had a really good memory. Um, you know, she remembered where she had been a slave labor, the name of the armaments factory that she was employed by, uh, addresses. You know, she had a really keen memory. And I just started writing things down. It was really haphazard. I mean, one day she'd talk about this, another time she'd talk about that, but you know, I tried to keep a notebook. And um, eventually, you know, I, I just really tried to figure out, um, started searching, started uh, digging. Um, and, and the big breakthrough for me was to be able to um, uh, read the tribunal, the Nuremberg trials. And in the Nuremberg trials, there was a whole section on slave and forced labor. And for me, that was a breakthrough because there they talked about, you know, the forcing of individuals to go to work in Germany and the things that happened there, the awful things that happened there and how they treated these forced laborers. So I just started doing more research, digging, um, I actually went to the place where my mom was a slave laborer in Germany. Uh, the, the company, Rheinmetall, um, still exists. 
Uh, it was an armament factory, one of the biggest armament factories, uh, private ones for um, making armaments for for Hitler. My my mom remembered really clearly. She worked on an assembly line making um, making bombs and bullets. My father worked on the firing range. I mean, she just remembered everything. It was called sheets plots. You know, the firing range. Mm-hmm. Her place right. of work was called Noilies. Um, so I had all of these bits and pieces that I used as the framework, you know, all these aspects. I used it as the framework to try and find more details about each of those aspects. And, you know, <laughs> um, I used to think, and I used to think, could this possibly be true? You know, when you grow up, as I did safely here in America, where, you know, you could walk freely, there's nobody telling you, you know, within parameters, telling you what to do. And, you know, the freedom um, that that we experience, it was hard to understand some of the brutalities that she was telling me. And I used to ask myself, could this be true? I had no framework for living in an occupied country, in um, being, you know, starved and brutalized. I just, so I used to ask myself, God, is this true? And you know what? I found everything that my mother ever said was based on fact. And I, I, you know, I could kick myself that I ever doubted my mother. But, you know, through writing this book, I came to know my mother, and I'm, I'm sorry if I get emotional That's here. That's okay. It's, you know, I just really realized what happened to my mother, and also I learned a lot of things of what happened to uh, Polish men who were taken for forced labor and the difficulties that they faced and the brutalities um, and degradation that um, Polish Men and women experienced as forced laborers um, in Nazi Germany. Well, we're uh, going to take a little break here. We're learning a great deal from Sophie Hodorowicz Nab. The book is Wearing the Letter P, Polish Women as Forced Laborers in Nazi Germany. It's available at Polish American Journal Store. Polish Arts Center, and it's available on Amazon. We encourage all of our listeners to read this. It's a very prolific uh, book, and it's about a lot of pain and suffering in World War II, and I can relate to it because my parents were in Warsaw in 1939 when it was leveled to six inches high. So I heard a hundred times of the pain and suffering in World War II from my parents or in Poland. A little plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716 716- Eight three five nine four five four. That's seven one six eight three five nine four five four. They have the latest from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our 
recent guest, Tibor Baranski Jr., son of the freedom fighter, Tibor Baranski Sr., Jean Shafaroff, a novel. Uh, she's a, an author also. And Melissa Schrock, past district governor of Rotary. Coming up, we'll have former U.S. ambassador to Denmark next week, Ambassador Carla Sands on the program. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada. Please write to Brian Rusk, The Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little bit more information about Sophie Hodorovich Nab. She earned her master's degree at the University of Buffalo and is a professor emeritus from SUNY Niagara County Community College in Western New York. She has published in both professional journals on health and wellness issues and also written numerous books on various aspects of Polish history, culture, customs, and tradition. And again, she did a wonderful job with her lecture at the Birchfield Penny Center as Bonnie Gordon Flickinger, a great arts advocate, recommended me to watch that on Zoom. It was very enlightening uh, us. Okay, let's talk about uh, the brief history of the occupation of Poland. I mentioned how my parents were there in 1939. Let's go into more depth of this in 1939. Sophie Hodorowicz-Nab. Well, as I had mentioned earlier, um, you know, Hitler attacked Poland from the West. Uh, in September 1939, and a few weeks later, uh, from the other side, the the Russians attacked Poland from from the east, divided Poland up uh, between them, uh, left a uh, an area called the General Government, which was supposedly to be a reservoir of uh, labor. Everything that happened to Poland was a complete, complete takeover. Every aspect of Polish life was controlled um, by the Germans during the occupation, controlling every aspect of life. And, you know, everybody had to work for the Reich. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to register for um, uh, to get food stamps if they wanted to get food to feed their families. They had to register. When they registered, you know, the Germans had a file on people, and then they started using those files to take people from Poland and send them uh, to um, uh, to Germany. Properties were confiscated, you know, and the nightmare just goes on and on. All of the priests that were gathered up, sent to Dachau concentration camp, the extermination of all intellectuals who could possibly, you know, lead a revolt against the Germans were simply murdered uh, or sent to, to concentration camps where they died. It was a horrific, horrific uh, time. Um, you know, we know then that the Germans began establishing these concentration camps where they started annihilating uh, the Jewish community, um, you know, they enacted the final solution, developed ghettos for, for the Jewish communities, um, and then from the ghetto sent them uh, directly to gas chambers. You know, it was, um, it was a complete reign of terror. 
And, you know, at the same time, they began, um, when Hitler began losing a lot, especially after he attacked um, the Soviet Union, Russia, um, he lost so many people, so many men, that then he began to steal, essentially, it was just stealing any child with any Aryan features, anyone who may have been or suspected of having any kind of German blood, he decided he was going to take that child back, essentially back, and put these children in special orphanages and then sent them to be adopted uh, by families who had lost a son in the war, um, you know, to be raised as Germans. I mean, right now there are Polish children who I'm sure think that they are German uh, living in Germany, but were taken from orphanages, taken from parents who were, you know, um, sent to concentration camps or for forced labor and are living in Germany now, um, thinking themselves German. They could not. I mean, I think they estimated that there was like about 200,000 children that were taken. They only were able to um, reconnect families to a very, very small degree. I think they said something like 20,000 children were able to be reconnected. Um, But, I mean, the atrocities just kept piling on and piling on. Um, The laborers in in Germany, right, they were not able to access health care very easily. You had to get permission. The Germans didn't want to give permission for you to go to see the doctor. People were dying of tuberculosis, uh, you know, various uh, ailments, uh, left and right. Um, and, you know, they, they, they just degraded. And, you know, the, the wearing the letter P, um, I titled it that because my mother kept telling me about how they had to wear this uh, little patch on their clothes with the big letter P that would um, show everybody um, that they were Poles. And because the Poles were considered an inferior subhuman race, then anyone could treat this pole in any manner in which they chose. So, you know, it was a, a sign of, you know, they were being humiliated all the time. Oh, here's a dirty pole. Oh, here's a, a, a you know, an inferior. They called them, you know, there were circulars going around to all of the people that employed Forced laborers. Don't let these people sit at your table. These are alien races. Don't mix with, you know, subhuman races. And you know, and one of the things that they did, if they found that a woman had had any kind of a relationship with a Polish man, you know, that man was just executed. You know, I have papers from the National Archives, you know, of translation of German um um, you know, edicts from the authorities, so to speak, you know, saying that these, and they named the men that were executed because they dared to have, you know, a, a close relationship with a German woman. It was a brutal, terrible time for all of the Poles in Poland, 
and in Germany. Um, you know, then the other thing, you know, if you were in Germany and you were forced labor and you did get sick, well, you know, they let you be uh, in the hospital, especially for a very, very short time. And uh, this is what happened with the people who became um, depressed, mentally ill as a result of this crisis that they were experiencing in Germany. Um, there was one incident that was very, very well documented by the American forces um, at the end of the war. There were rumors going around in this uh, an American zone in a city, a town called Hadamar. And um, the people were talking about how at the hospital, the mental institution, um, they had been killing people. Um, it had been part of the euthanasia program um, established by Hitler, where he was even killing his own people, the, um, the people who were ill, who uh, were chronically ill, people who couldn't work for the Reich. That was the whole thing, work, work, work. And so these Polish people, Polish and Russian forced laborers, were sent to this institute called Hadamar and um, were just executed by injection. They weren't going to waste hospital beds and care resources on sick Poles or sick Russians. So the Americans uh, did their duty and um, exhumed the bodies, examined the bodies, and found that no one was so sick. It wasn't a, like a mercy killing or anything. It was just that these people could not work and they did not want to waste the resources. Uh, because then the testimony came out, and you can read the whole testimony. You know, there's pages and pages of it at the National Archives um, where, you know, the nurses who gave the injection said, you know, those were our orders, and, and that's what we did. And so innocent people, innocent, sick people who should have had all of the care that they needed were just um, just killed. It was, you know, horrendous. And I, I defy anyone to go through the things that these workers experienced in Germany and to come out completely mentally healthy. I mean, I'm sure that these individuals, you know, have anxieties about food and anxieties about their health forever. I mean, they were kept on starvation um, um, portions of food, um, you know, people stealing food in order to survive, doing whatever they had to do, um, you know, to find food. Um, it was um, it was unbearable situation. It's um, it's not hard to believe that these people, um, you know, developed depression or anxiety or some kind of mental illness as as a result. And um, it, it, it's a I very a revealing um, amount of information. Uh, it's very compelling. Um, it's near and dear to my heart because I grew up hearing how my parents suffered in World War II, being in Poland and Warsaw when it was destroyed, similar to what's taking place in the Ukraine now with uh, cities being uh, leveled. Again, the, the book is Wearing the Letter P, Polish Women as Forced Laborers 
in Nazi Germany. The author is our guest today, Sophie Hodorowicz Neab. This book is available at the Polish American Journal Bookstore, Polish Art Center, and available on Amazon. Let's talk a little bit about the establishment of the concentration camps in Poland by the Nazis. We have a few minutes left about Christian Poles who were the first to be sent to Auschwitz in 1940. Um, we grieve for the millions of Jews killed, but also the Christians killed in um, the concentration camps. Sophie? Yes. You know, um, I had mentioned about my aunt. Um, and, you know, the story regarding my aunt being taken to Auschwitz was that one day, you know, everybody had to work for the Reich. I had mentioned that. And even uh, in our small town where my mom uh, grew up and where her family lived, um, my aunt was did not show up for work for a few days. And that was her punishment. You had to show up whether you were sick or dying. You had to show up for work. So they, they sent her. She was sent in 1942. Uh, to the concentration camp. My mother was living in Krakow, and again, she was telling me how she was in Krakow, and Auschwitz wasn't that far away, and she was making this package of dried bread and dried sausage to send to her for my my aunt, to be her sister, um, to survive uh, Auschwitz. Um, it's, you know, the stories that she uh, she told, you know, about how hard it was to try and get a package to her to help her survive. Uh, you know, the people of Poland knew what was going on. My mother knew that her sister was in Auschwitz. People knew. They tried to do what they could, you know, to save their family members. And, um, and as I mentioned, uh, when the war was ending and the Germans knew that their you know, the war was lost to them. They started um, hiding their uh, activities, burning down, you know, the crematoriums, burning papers, burning affidavits, all of the uh, orders, and, you know, started marching people. And that's another project I'm sort of working on about the death marches um, towards, uh, towards Germany. And and they had the nerve to think that these people who had been in concentration camps for two and three years could work for them in Germany, that they were so terrible. desperate. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Just terrible. Well, my heart goes and, out to you with all this suffering that you're describing. I'm sure it was even painful to write about. Oh, <laughs> Brian, I can't tell you how often I, I, I just had quiet cries through this whole process um it was it was difficult it was very heart-wrenching um but at the same time um i'm really glad i'm really glad that um i was able to honor all of those people who suffered that way uh so that the english-speaking world could understand what happened yeah i'm sorry we have to bring this to a close again the book is called wearing the letter p polish women is Forced Labors in Nazi Germany. Our guest has been the author, Sophie Hodorowicz Nab. This book is available from Polish American Journal Bookstore, Polish Art Center, and 
on Amazon. Also, special thanks to Kevin Carr, our director of production for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening so many people about the tragedies and torture of World War II. Our guest, Sophie Hodorovich Nab. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.